0: Welcome to the Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Perseverance may have just begun its mission, but how can researchers on Earth help out? Now studying life on Mars here on Earth may be possible, but you need some pretty rare samples of actual Martian soil that have made their way to Earth. We also find out about ways to date the age of Martian soils based on impact crates. All this and more, we talk about the ways in which researchers on Earth can help research on Mars. We can't begin this episode without talking about the NASA Perseverance mission. Now, the Perseverance mission has just completed its landing on the surface of Mars, which is pretty incredible considering that it left Earth on the 30th of July 2020, the most complicated of years, and then it landed in... 2021. It's an incredible testament to the abilities of the NASA research team and a large list of collaborators from a lot of different labs working on their own instruments, including the European Space Agency, with some portions of the mission as well. But this team of researchers, engineers, scientists, built a mission and launched it in 2020. And it's a surprise because the Mars 2020 mission, as it was initially called, well, it started in a pretty difficult way. Because the Curiosity rover had tremendous success, and in the early 2010s it looked like the NASA's Mars exploration program was pretty much launching a rover every two years and doing some great work. But budget cuts in the mid-2020s really put a stop to that plan. They were forced to collaborate with the European Space Agency to form a new type of mission, and there was a large gap between missions launched from Earth making it to Mars launched by NASA. Now, the Martian atmosphere and orbit at the moment is incredibly full. A lot of different space agencies have missions orbiting Mars right now. Most took advantage of the close window in 2020 to launch, and now the orbit is much busier. I think there are nine probes in total currently orbiting that are active. But the Perseverance rover also is a new type of rover, one that doesn't rely entirely on solar power. It has a radioisotope thermoelectric power generator. Now, it's about 45 kilograms in weight and uses a big lump, 5 kilo lump of plutonium as its source. Now, that's significant because, well, the other rovers that have been launched to Mars managed to last a lot longer than anticipated, often because they were getting cleaned by the high winds of Mars. These Martian dust storms dump a tremendous amount of dust onto the solar panels, but they can also act as a cleaning agent as well. And that enabled those initial Mars missions to be extended far beyond their initial lifespan. But without those cleaning missions and without that luck, well, you don't really want to rely on that for your Mars probe rover to be successful. Hence why the launch of one with an actual radioisotope as it's generating source. Of course, it still has panels, but these are boosters more than the actual main power supply. So it'd be fantastic to see what the Perseverance mission and its launcher and his little drone Ginny, along with Percy the rover, confined on the surface of Mars. Now, we look forward to many more reports, photos, and information about Martian surface and potentially areas of Martian life in the years to come. Now, one of the important things that the Perseverance Mission is looking for is biosignatures, signs potentially of life currently or former life in the Martian regolith, the Martian soil. And this is an incredibly important study because the area that they're in, the crater, the Jezero crater, well, this area has all the kind of markers and conditions we would expect at some point earlier in its history when it may have had water or other active geological regions that are of interest. It could have been a place for life to exist on mars before of course it lost its atmosphere and a lot of that water evaporated or froze now early mars is considered pretty much an environment that would have been geologically similar to earth but there's a way you can study the geology of mars here on earth and it's a little bit tricky but it's not impossible because you see we don't have to wait for sample missions on mars and we don't have to wait things like Perseverance, or a capture and return mission like they'd done on the Moon to bring regolith from Mars to Earth. We can look at an experiment that started billions of years ago. Mars, or chunks of the surface of Mars, that have made its way from Mars all the way here to Earth. Now, this sounds crazy, but there are pieces of Martian regolith rock here on Earth, Now, there's not a lot of it, to be sure, but there is a sample of a meteorite, a Martian meteorite, called the Northwest Africa, NWA 7034. Now, this Martian meteorite and the stones that come from it are the only sample of Martian regolith we have of a certain type of rock, a brecciated rock. Now, the reason why that's significant is that this kind of brecciated sample is considered to be pretty representative of the average Martian regular, the average Martian crust. So why is that important? Well, it means we have a sample here on Earth of Mars that left Mars a very long time ago that we can use to study and understand what the rock conditions are like on the average area of crust of Mars. Now, a little bit about this meteorite. Now, it's believed that the rock itself is around 4.3 billion years old, which is pretty old. (laughs) Now, at some point around 3000 million years ago, something occurred to eject this rock from Mars and ending up in orbit. That chunk of rock somehow managed to transition through the orbital pathways and get trapped inside Earth's gravitational well, and then of course, fall to the surface of earth as a meteorite this seems nuts but it's actually surprisingly more common than you think asteroid samples on earth and been around for a very long time and we're a big collector we're a large object in space with a with a moon with a significant size that can pull things down this might be pieces of other planets or pieces of asteroids quite regularly and in this case it's a piece of mars that's landed in northwestern africa Now, whilst this is a surprising find, it's still incredibly rare, which means this sample, which is sometimes referred to as Black Beauty because of its colour, is also a highly prized piece of research material, because it's one of the few things we have from the Martian surface here that easily able to be studied. And that's what researchers from the University of Vienna along with a large team of collaborators, have been delving into, and they published their findings in Communications Earth and Environment. The researchers include Mollivek, Cobley, Collister, Brunner, and Morgan. Now, they took this sample, this incredibly precious sample of Martian surface, and they crushed a tiny bit of it. Now, this seems crazy, but for geological science, often you have to crush samples in order to do compositional studies on them, and that's sad, but an uh, unfortunate reality. But the reason why they did this was to undertake a biological study. Now we know here on Earth that there's all kinds of strange bio life forms, some microbiological life that can exist in extreme places, extremely salty, extremely hot, extremely pressurized. These unusual life forms we call extremophiles. Well they could exist in some really weird places. Would those weird places include the average Martian crust? Well, that's basically the question the researchers are trying to analyse and understand. Now, whilst missions like Perseverance and others will look for signs of life on Mars, on Mars itself, these researchers are tackling the question from the other way. Is the Martian soil actually capable of hosting life? And if it is how would those life forms survive what would they do how would they get their energy how would they create biomass all of these processes and approach would then help us look in the right place for life on mars so you do a bit of study here to try and either simulate mars or actually use a direct sample of mars in this case now the regions of mars in its early history would have been pretty similar to earth they would have had warmer conditions, liquid bodies of water, warmer temperature, and a higher atmospheric pressure. And in a certain type of rock, a in terrain that you would find, which would be in a moisture rich area, well, you could look for uh, that kind of soil. Now, the sample we actually have is part of that same terrain that we would consider pretty common on Mars, but also probably hospitable to a form of life. So the researchers took a few grams of this object, crushed it up, and then They were able to observe how the dark, fine grains of this black beauty meteorite that has been studied, this piece of Martian rock that has been examined, when they exposed it to all kinds of microbial cells. Now, they attached these or placed these samples in together with the microbes to observe what happens. How did these microbes interact with the Martian breccia? And what did they do to it? How did they? transform it. Now they picked M. emsidula as their microbe of choice and they watched it start to interact with and transform those little bits of Martian rock. Now the reason they chose MSDula is because it's a chemolithotroph which means it doesn't eat what you think it would eat uh, some kind of other bio organism no no it eats literally rocks it transforms the energy of stones and rocks into the energy it needs for life. It's deriving energy from inorganic minerals and transforming them into carbon dioxide and biomass. Now, we know these organisms exist here. We know organisms exist here on earth that eat rock, eat plastic, eat weird things and turn it into CO2 and biomass. That's We've found weird creatures, microbiological creatures that do this. So M. Cedula, they took as a pretty good case well if it could happen here on earth could it exist on mars and could it survive on mars chowing down on rock now the microbe itself managed to form a very robust mineral capsule comprised of complex iron manganese and aluminium phosphates and it encrusted around the cell surface and then they saw intracellular crystalline structures forming little deposits of iron magnesium oxides and with a couple of silicates. Now these are unique, because we haven't seen this kind of feature and growth before. And they haven't observed this when previously cultivating this microbe on terrestrial mineral, mineral sources. So taking rocks here from Earth, this microbe didn't behave in this way. It only behaves in this way of growing these weird interconnected structures, really complex crystalline structures, on only on the Martian soil. Now that is pretty amazing. That's exactly what Milosevic and the other researchers have been looking at. Because it means that Martian soil, actual Martian soil, not just we think similar earth soil, but actual Martian soil yields very different biomineralization patterns, different growths, different ways that even our terrestrial microbes would interact with these samples. What it also means is that this Martian regolith is actually a pretty diverse and rich mineralogical nature, which would have meant that, well, you end up with a microbe that can do some pretty interesting and diverse things. Now, what this shows, it's an incredibly important for all astrological research to actually study how microbes could interact with actual Martian salt, rather than just building samples or what we think are replicas of Martian conditions. Because the reality we actually see very different responses as they found in this paper. Now, if we're able to get any returned Mars samples back here to Earth, then we could look at ways in which we would see even more unusual and strange growth. But the important part to remember here is that when we do studies on the surface of Mars, of its regolith, perhaps if we do find life, it would look different, even on a microbiological sense, than what we see here on Earth because the type of microbes and the way they interact with rocks here on Earth may be very different. If Martian regolith has a more complex general structure, you might see a stranger form of microbiological life forming there. at least that's what we've seen by growing Earth microbes on Martian soil. Now, this is some great research done by the University of Vienna, published in the journal Communications Earth Environment, that really goes to show that if we do find life on Mars, it may not be what we think of bacterial life here on earth it might even in such a simple form of bacterial life look very different potentially more complex and interconnected than we thought was possible NWA 7034 sample, well, that is estimated to be around 4 to 4.5 billion years old. An interesting time in Martian history, to be sure. But what about the age of the area that the NASA Perseverance mission has landed in? The problem is, actually estimating the age of something you've not seen is quite difficult. Researchers have used different methods to try and guess the age of the Jezero crater on Mars where the Perseverance mission has landed. The problem is, estimating this is based on a technique called crater chronology. This method was first developed by researchers studying lunar craters, using our understanding of craters formed on the Moon's surface, then actually comparing that to radiocarbon-dated Lunar samples, you can actually then build a model to determine okay, if a crater looks like this, it must be this age. Now, this mechanism is obviously involving huge amounts of extra- extrapolation based on lunar results, which may or may not be representative of actual Martian results, and that was part of what made this process so difficult. Now, researchers like Dr. Simone Marchi have published in the Astronomical Journal an update. To their previous estimates. Initially, we thought that the areas of the Jezero crater on Mars, where the Perseverance mission has landed, were thought to be around 2.5 billion years old. That seems like a long time, but that could have had a 500 million year error in it. In fact, in Marchi's latest paper, she updates the surface of the Jezero crater to around 3 billion years old. 2.5 to 3 billion seems like such a huge amount that who knows but the thing is the actual age is significant incredibly significant because it ties back to the time that we know that mars had water we know about early martian history so we can know or learn by our analysis that mars had water at some point then the atmosphere slowly drifted away or blown away by the stellar wind and then that water evaporated or froze Now, the problem is, all of this happened in a certain window in time in Martian history. So, if there was water in the Jezero Crater, well, we need to know what age it was. Because, if the Jezero Crater is a certain age, it came later, well, then there may not have actually been any surface water to pool in the crater if it was older, then there's possible that there actually was surface water pooling in the bottom of this crater at some point in time, which means that there could have actually been life forming there. Now, the Jezero equator is about 30 miles in size, but it actually isn't. The only thing is it sits inside an area of Mars called the Isidis Basin, which again was created by an even earlier impact, perhaps one of the first impacts on Mars. This impact would have cut a huge part of the Borealis Basin's rim and created this large, large crater, which we now call the Isidus Basin. Now, then we end up with another crater, the Jezero Crater, inside the Isidus Basin. So you end up with this nesting behavior of different craters forming. Now, these might've been consecutive impacts. They may have been separated by millions of years. But the fact that they're both in the same place is a little bit suspicious to researchers, but samples from these areas to be studied by Perseverance will actually help them pick up when this happens. Now, this revised model has also pushed the age of the Istis Basin now to be back at around 4 to 4.2 billion years old, around the same time as that regolith sample, the NWA 7034, that we talked about earlier. So this updated modeling performed by Dr. Simone Marchi is all based around new radiocarbon dating of Lunar samples, new information about lunar craters, new information about what we can build this model of timing, what a crater looks like based on how old it may have been. And that's what used as the basis, whole analysis. And that's incredibly important, but we're still extrapolating. We're still trying to make some assumption that this carry over to Martian experience. And until we have dated Martian rocks, we don't actually know if this model is correct or not but at least we have a better guess about what it may be. So dating rocks is hard here on Earth, but we use certain radioactive tricks to do it. Dating the age of rocks and craters on another planet or a moon, much, much harder. So there's always going to be a bit of margin of error. But we will learn more, and certainly we'll learn a lot more, from the missions like Perseverance and the timing of these different craters creation will also be fundamentally important for selecting sites for future missions and also potentially future landing sites for crewed missions to Mars There's some great research from Southwest Research Institute published in the Astronomical Journal. This has been the Young Scientist of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From studying Martian regolith that made its way all the way to Earth whilst finding the age of the craters on Mars that the Perseverance mission now finds itself in